praising and, and singing songs and just honoring the Lord together as a family. Uh, just resting. A lot of times when uh, situations like this, when you want to get in the Word, um, I want to encourage you right now. It's hard because sometimes you want to motivate a response. And, and tonight, we're not trying to motivate some response from you. Uh, even thinking of the Incarnation, uh, sometimes you can, you, you can read the passages. Um, some of you maybe have never heard the story, but you think about the Incarnation and, you, and you, you think you're supposed to actually feel something. And I just want to encourage you right now uh, that I'm hoping that the story uh, would encourage you. Uh, but our heart here is to, to live a real faith. Um, and we just hope that as you, as you listen to the story, um, you, will, you will be discovering uh, what does it mean when we talk about God entering the world for us. Um, with that said, what I want to do is I want to I just briefly read through uh, the story of Jesus actually being on earth. What we've done during our time of Advent is we've talked a lot about the longing and anticipation and expectation and the preparation. We've talked a lot about uh, Jesus and people expecting him to come. We're going to look at a passage where he's actually here. And so what I want you to do is I want you just to uh, go through the passage with me, read, let it soak in, and that's why we haven't provided any programs. Uh, We're not even providing uh, Bibles in themselves, but we're going to have the scriptures up for you to just read and just... um, Reminisce with me, and hopefully, hopefully you'll see yourself in one aspect in this story or another. See yourself as one of the characters in this story. Let me pray for us, okay? Dear Jesus, we thank you so much uh, for the beauty of the Incarnation. And we pray uh, that our hearts would, um, well, you'll be doing something in our hearts. And you would allow us to be enjoying and remembering and... Uh, Yielding to you as we think about the reality of what you've done um, on earth. Lord, be, be glorified during this time. Be encouraged by the saints uh, worshiping you. Be honored, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, guys. Enjoy this story with me real quick. Let's look at Matthew chapter 2. I would encourage you to read in your own time uh, the whole chapter. It starts off by saying, After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the time of King Herod, um, the prophets talk about this this Savior was going to be born. Isaiah talks about it, that the Savior was going to do something uh, that would would actually change change history in itself, and that he was going to save the world. Um, from sin, not just save humans, but all of creation from sin. Um, it says Jesus, this, Jesus was born in Bethlehem. The, the prophets talked about uh, specifically where uh, this, this Savior would be born. This Savior would be born in, in basically a backwater town, uh, a very unlikely place for a king to be born. In Judea, it says during the time of King Herod, which is very important. It's very interesting uh, that the king of all creation uh, would be born and then the, the author would want to show us <clears throat> that uh, it was during this time of this certain king, King Herod, who, if I can encourage you, um, this was a guy uh, who was really, uh, really evil. King Herod was actually um, of Jewish descent, uh, but he was all about power and he was all about notoriety. In fact, he killed many of his uh, family members, uh, killed his wife, 
um, all because of means of power. But Rome, who was the conquering town, conquering uh, sorry, the conquering um, government of the day, they actually uh, gave Herod power to actually rule over the Jews. And so this is a, sort of the, the background of what's going on here in Matthew 2. And it says, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, continue on, it says, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. So during this time, you have these Magi from the east. If you... If you if you've ever read the Bible, a lot of times it talks about the East. Whenever you hear the word East, you, you know that he's talking about an area where people weren't recognizing uh, the true God. And so uh, usually in the areas of the East were people who were astrologers, uh, witchcraft people. Uh, they were actually uh, people who didn't believe in God at all. Um, at best, maybe they had many pagan gods. And so uh, for some reason, uh, very specifically, the author wants us to see something here. He wants us to see... That King Herod, who is a Jew, um, and this, this king being born in Bethlehem, uh, but yet you have these magi who actually probably did not uh, believe uh, in a god. They were astrologers. They were basically pagan individuals from the east. They come and they ask, where is this king of the Jews? So the question you have to ask yourself is, well, how did they know that there was a king of the Jew to be born? And many, um, many philosophers, uh, many, many scholars would say that in the book of Daniel, it's probably where you'll find your answer, is that these guys actually, because the Jews were uh, in exile 400 or so many years ago, they were in exile, and what was happening during that time is that the Babylonians uh, were actually learning about Jewish culture and were learning about what these guys believed. And it was during that time where they began to find out some of the prophetic writings that this, this Jewish king, this king who actually is the Jewish king, is actually the king of all the creation, and that he's going to be born one day. And so these guys, who had no reason, when you think in the mind of the flesh, had no reason to want to desire to worship this king, they were passionately looking for this king of the Jews. A man who was not part of their descent, who was not part of their religion, in fact, these were probably astrologers. That's why they were following stars. But yet they were so hungry that they were trying to find this king of the Jews. And it says, we saw his star. Don't miss that. So I love the way these astrologers, these pagan individuals, who probably in the eyes of, if you think of us being normal people, like why would these guys want to find this Jewish person? These men actually see it as his star. They say, Where is we, we, we see his star, and when it rose, we have come to worship him. So for some reason, you have these, these pagan individuals passionate about finding this king, the king of the Jews, and they realize that he's a king of not just the Jews, but he must be their king too because they want to worship him. Continue on. So it says... When King Herod heard this information, this news, when, they, when he heard that these men, these pagan individuals were looking for this king of the Jews, it says that he was disturbed. But notice that. 
it says that King Herod was disturbed. And I get that, right? I get King Herod being disturbed because he's a man who desires power. He's a man who's saying, hey, I, I want to be in control. But what's interesting, it says, and all Jerusalem with him. It wasn't just King Herod who, for some reason, this Jewish man who had the scriptures, who had the writings, for some reason he missed it. Greed, maybe. Power. Maybe the audacity to want to be his own God. I get why he missed it, okay. But then it says all of Jerusalem with him. But they were all disturbed. Now we, pro- we know that there were probably some Jewish individuals who was there and probably wanted to worship this Jewish king. But it's interesting that the author would say it like that because he wants us to see something that he talks about even in John when he talks about the light came in the world, but the world could not comprehend it. There's a sense of the world almost rejecting their savior. And here it is right here, Jerusalem, they were all disturbed. Were they disturbed because they thought, well, maybe this king will take over our land? Were they disturbed because they thought, okay, well, maybe we'll be back in slavery? Not really. Couldn't be that because they were already at some level seemingly enslaved under King Herod's rule. Can't be that. For some reason, these individuals of Jewish descent who had the writings, who had the prophets, who were of the same ethnicity of this king, missed it. But yet, these men who should not have made it, who should not have known, who were way off in the east, practicing their astrology, doing whatever, worshiping their false gods, for some reason, God had given them the grace to get it. To want to go and try to find out where this Jewish king is. Continue on. It says, this is what King Herod did, verse 4. When he had called together all the people's chiefs, priests, and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. Notice that. It says, in Bethlehem, in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. Isn't that interesting? No pause. No, why do you ask? No, like, let me go check. It seems... They asked the question, he asked the question, and they knew. He said, oh, the chief priest, all these individuals say, oh, yeah, the Messiah. For this, the prophet tells you where the Messiah is to be born in Bethlehem. See that? He asked them where the Messiah was to be born in Bethlehem in Judea, they replied. For this is what the prophet has written. It's all in the scriptures. Look, it says, but you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. Although you're a little province, although you're this little backwater place, don't think you're, you're nothing, for out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people, Israel. So they knew. They had information. It's interesting. You would think, if you knew that was where the place was going to be, You would think if you're hungry, if you're hungry for your Savior, if you want to be redeemed, if you want to experience freedom and peace and all those things that the Messiah was going to provide, you would think you would have sort of maybe like a 
a tattletale scout there. You would think you would have someone there. You think you would visit. You think you would, you would keep your eye on that town. But coupled with the fact that it says early in the text that even Jerusalem was kind of upset, was kind of disturbed, I propose to you they really didn't care. They gave him the information, but you notice that the scriptures doesn't say that the chief priests and the scribes and all those people who gave the answer followed the Magi. It doesn't say that. What we see recorded in the text is they give information about his whereabouts, and that's as far as where they go. Interesting. The individuals who had all the information, who had the lineage, totally missed it. But you have these pagan individuals who don't, they don't have the books, they don't have the history, they don't have the lineage, they don't even have the whereabouts. They go there and say, hey, all I know is there's this king I'm supposed to worship. Do you know where he is so I can go worship him? They ask them for the information. They get it. God graciously allows them to get it. Continue on. It says in verse 7, fam, Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. So what does he do? He gets the information and he sends everybody away. He says, hey, come here, come here. So tell me, when did that star appear? I want to know. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me so that I too may go and worship him. Well, if you look at the accounts, you know that's not the case. Okay? It sounds really like, oh, okay, that's cool. He just wants to have them do the dirty work and he wants to go worship the king. No, see, the reality is he sees himself as a king. And if there's another king, then he knows he needs to lay down his crown. And so either he has a choice now. Either he lays down his crown, as John the Baptist does, and says, hey, you, I'm unworthy to even tie your shoes. Or you try to kill him so that you can remain the ruler. He didn't see Jesus as an object of worship. He saw Jesus as a threat because he was his own God. Can you imagine all of the history in, in, of Israel? You're learning this, you're learning this. You are, so, we, you are so desirous of your own power and wanting power that you would look at the books in the prophets See that this is the God that they're talking about, that the Lord, God is talking about, and you would still, because of your selfishness and your desire for power, try to kill the person that God has talked about in the scriptures. Is that too far-fetched for us? Continue on, please. It says... He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for this child. As soon as you find him, report to me so that I may go and worship him. Continue on. After they had heard the king, 
They went on their way. Look at this. And the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. I love this, guys. I love the fact that they go because they don't know where to go now. The star takes them there. They go and say, hey, where do, I want to worship this king. Where do I go? All the information. It seems like the author is showing us something here that that little excerpt there wasn't for the Magi necessarily. Because if you notice, although they said, oh, he probably heard you know, Bethlehem and these kind of things, you notice the stars were took, were took them to Jesus. And so they, it's almost like they, they got outside and the stars said, yeah, I know you're going to do all that. Now just follow the star again. And they continue to follow the star. Takes them right to the Savior. It says, they were so overjoyed. Almost the star came. Okay, there we go. Hungry. Do you see, some, do you see the dichotomy there? Notice, look, when you think of the scriptures, notice the different actors here. You see Herod. You see suspicious. You see him threatened. You see him, you see at the same time he has the lineage. He's a Jew. He has the scriptures. And then you look over and you see these guys. Highly likely, highly unlikely. But yet, desire to kill the Savior Desires to worship the Savior. Therefore, star does not lead this guy. Star leads these guys. The star led pagan worshipers to the King Jesus. Verse 11. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary. People think maybe at this point the baby's a couple years old or so. And they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened the treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Verse 12, And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. I saw some of you guys go, Really? I've been, you know, I've never seen that in my nativity scene that he's two or so. Yeah, in, in history right now, this isn't, I know you get, you know, in the, the cartoons and stuff, Jesus is like a baby for five years, but that's not the case. In history, he's probably around, he's probably a little taller at this point. And they come in, because remember, he's, he's born. And it says they worshiped him. Now, when we think of worship, we think, and, and we think, you know, that he went up, they went up to the baby, and, you know, went, be to our God, you know. Well, I don't think so. I don't think necessarily they went up to the baby and started singing praise songs. So my point in that is, is that the Bible has a very, very more, more, exclu- more inclusive concept of what worship is than we evangelical America. This, it seems that the worship is all these things. Is they probably went up to the baby, maybe sang some songs, but probably, which is probably the main point of the incarnation family, and that is they stood in awe. And they looked and probably praised God. They probably came to Christ right there and said, man, my faith is in this frail baby to save me. To, he's my king. Here's my king. And then, 
practical acts of them giving what's due to a king. Which, you know, these, we won't have time to go into the different aspects of what they gave, but some being what's representative of a king, some actually they think is a sort of a, um, a typology or a, sort of a, for, a forecasting of what's going to happen in the crucifixion and resurrection as far as his burial, uh, some of the different uh, scents that, uh, what do you call those things, the frankincense and myrrh, some of the di- different uh, spices that are given. They think that it's because of, of it's a foretelling of the death that he will be murdered for us. It says they worship him. And look at what it says in verse 12. And then having been warned in the dream, again, here's God. God is telling these pagan individuals, hey, I want you not to go because this Herod guy is kind of evil and some things are going to happen to you. So what do you see here? Why are you here to hear tonight? Why are we here? We see an individual who had it all, and yet we see them totally miss it. Whereas we have individuals who should, on paper, not get it, not get the gospel, and they totally understand that there's nothing they bring to the table, and they put their trust and a little baby boy. That's the beauty of the gospel. That's the beauty of why we're here. That's why we and many millions of people all over right now are coming together in small enclaves and we're saying, let's just sing and worship and enjoy and adore our Savior because of what he's done. Now, Some of us in this room right now, maybe you are being churched. Maybe you've gone through the motions, just like Herod. Like the priest and the scribes. And God wants this story to to shake us and help us see that it's not about your, your lineage. It's not about your pedigree. How many churches you've been to. Bible stories you've read. But it really is an issue of the heart. And I wonder if that's why he says they worshiped. Because he wanted to continue to get to the heart of it all. Here you got these unlikely pagans who actually are honoring the king. And the people who should be honoring the king totally desiring to kill him. Christmas Eve and Christmas Day is about God intersecting with man. And that he became man for you and me. That him becoming a baby boy, totally helpless, and then living a life without sin, the Bible says that he knew no sin, became sin on our behalf. And that he did all that to be murdered so that you and I wouldn't have to be murdered because of our transgressions, but that we can live because our Savior has been murdered, and that if we give our lives to our our Savior, we get to experience life forever. That's the beauty of the gospel. But notice, it's always a hard issue. And so even tonight, as we sing, we're going to sing songs right now, 
Let's enjoy the Lord. Think about what the Lord has done for you and me. Just sit back, and even with all the stuff that's going on in your life right now, I want you to understand that your sin is not too great for Jesus. If there's wrongdoing in your life, if there's things you need to repent of, I want to encourage you that the Bible is showing us pagan individuals who worship other gods. They worship other gods. Literally, they use witchcraft to find Jesus. And yet, God shows them as being individuals who experienced the Savior's birth, who experienced the Savior, and who worshiped the King. And in all intents and purposes, I propose that these men are believers now. And so, what is the Lord saying there? What is the Lord trying to model? That I'm pretty sure He's trying to show you and me practically that no one is too far from the Lord. So just know that. Just experience freedom. The incarnation is about you and me being free. It's about we don't have to have facades anymore. We don't have to play games. We can worship the true king and experience forgiveness and joy. That's the beauty of Christmas. That's the beauty of the incarnation family. So I'm going to ask the ladies to come up and sing. We're going to sing out. I want to ask you if you want to pray while we're singing, that's okay. Um, as, you, as you're praying, I want to pray that you ask the Lord to just be blessing your heart, to ask the Holy Spirit to allow you in your life to be experiencing life based on the reality of Christ being in the world now. I want us to stand, I want us to enjoy, have a great time, and then toward the end we're going to do a time where we're going to just remind ourselves of, of Jesus being our light. And let's make this time a time of worship, because he's worthy. See, the reality is Christ has come on our behalf. Be encouraged.